This podcast is sponsored by Agape Match. Agape Match is a boutique matchmaking service that caters to exceptional singles. To learn more about how I can help you, go to agapematch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week, I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. I record these episodes on Zoom, and you can join us on our next recording. Go to askamatchmaker.com to register for the next Ask a Matchmaker Live. You can ask a question in real time during a recording or send your pre-recorded audio questions to askamatchmakerpodcast at gmail.com. In this week's episode, I am speaking to dating coach Evan Mark Katz. Built as a personal trainer for smart, strong, successful women, Evan has been helping singles since 2003. He is the author of four books, most recently, Believe in Love, and has been featured in hundreds of media outlets, including Today, The New York Times, and CNN. Since 2015, Evan's blog has had over 30 million readers and 12,000 women have graduated from Love You, his six-month video course that helps women understand men and find love. Evan is very happily married and lives in Los Angeles with his wife and their two children. Evan, it's funny. I was thinking about you this morning as I was getting ready. You had a massive impact on not only the person that I chose to marry, but also my business. The first time I met you, you had said that the right person that you choose as a dating professional is going to help you better in your business. And I had just told you about a man I had started dating and you had asked me, do you think you're better at what you do? And I think I bluntly answered no. Like I didn't feel like there was something he was helping me with. I didn't understand what you were saying. He was basically giving me the confused look you're giving me right now. I mean, this I, is what you said to me. I know I'm accountable for everything I've ever said, I, but I've, I talk so much. I have almost <laughs> no recollection. Uh, my wife will tell you that. So I'm, I'm dying to hear more. I'm glad that it, that Somewhere along so the way. I, I, I so I broke up with that guy like literally that night. Oh boy. Just I was like, all right, Evan's right. Like, I think I'd probably be better at this if I was dating the right person. So you're trash. That same year, 10 months later, I met my husband. And I knew that he was the right person literally within two weeks. I just felt like, okay, this is what Evan meant by I'd be better at my job. My take on relationships is a pretty counterintuitive one. And um, I think other people are coming around to it. Good relationships are easy. Any pun, anybody who's ever told you a relationship takes work uh, is someone who's selling you a, a bill of goods because you know their parents were miserable and their relationship take, took yeah. work and they were together for 50 years. Is, isn't that proof that relationships take work? Uh, if you choose a good partner, it requires effort, maintenance, but it doesn't feel like work. Right. And, and once, I remember being in relationships where it was work. Yeah. And so once, once, once we're in alignment with that, then it's like, okay, it's a we. How are we going to solve this problem? It's not two people keeping score about who did what to whom. And uh, it, it is. It's, it's actually closer to a familial relationship. I, I love my wife the way I love my, my, my mom or my kids. It's, it, it's not the butterflies. It's like this deeper, more abiding thing where because you love this person, you want to do everything you can to make them happy. It's also what you just said. It's the we, like it's in team. I can't tell you how many married women sometimes send me emails or messages and the questions are not in a we way. It's very, here's what my husband thinks about this and I don't know what to do. And I'm, and I'm not saying we don't all have our own issues in our relationships. I'm, you know, but sometimes there are certain stances that I see couples have where I'm like, this is not the good for the good of the team. This is good for someone's ego. That's right. And I, and I mean, I just did a podcast about that very thing. Um, the, the problem I was having my own relationship. And I, I like to think I've got a good marriage worth emulating. But um, Tell me about your podcast now that you mentioned it. So you have this podcast called Love You. It's a top 20 podcast oh, we've been doing it since 2016 and took a little break and just came back and we've had a million downloads and get uh you know just a million no 25 25,000 people a month and we're kind of hoping to get, get back to where where we were a couple of years ago when we were doing it all the time and there was a time that i, I did some interviews but i i'm finding it just easier to get on on, on the computer and 
and talk for five, 10 minutes at a time. So that, that's where the podcast is right now. It's uh, me talking about things that I'm learning from talking to my clients every day. So what was the most recent, you had said something that was about your, you and your wife fighting. What was that about? What you'll notice, and this is a John Gottman thing. I know you read a lot, like I read a lot. Mm-hmm. John Gottman, sort of the godfather of couples counseling and, and relationship compatibility. And I remember him saying 70% of all relationship discussions are the same conversation, right? You're just repeating another version of the same thing. And in our household, it's, I'm, I'm really, you know, get her done fast, very intense, very efficient. My wife is a little more loosey-goosey, right? She'll, she'll keep a stack of mail that she hasn't opened. I, I open the mail when I'm coming back from the mailbox. It's just See, this is the New Yorker in you, and that's the San Diego in her. Right. So it's not a right or wrong. It's just a different philosophy. But sometimes we bump up against each other because as a couple, we have to figure out how to get on the same page. And that's not right. about mail. The, the, the podcast is, is really more about how we run our household and how we, we're both sort of dug into our way of doing things. And it's hard to respect someone else who has a completely different philosophy than you when your lives are intertwined. You can't just say, well, that's your own thing. It's, well, this kind of affects me too. So how do you have that discussion in a way that is not destructive, but rather constructive? And that's what that podcast was about, how to have a, a, a relationship discussion that doesn't end up in a screaming match or silent treatments or anger but we're trying to solve this intractable problem. We're probably going to have this conversation again, but how can we keep on trying to come closer together instead of letting this tear us apart? I, I, this is what I wonder, like listening to you talk is sometimes I feel like, I don't want to say you're the male version of me. That's stupid. But you are definitely a no-nonsense kind of dating coach and you're male. And I feel like we both are in those circles. Like the, not, not both, excuse me, not those both circles. We're both in a no-nonsense category. What does it feel like for you to be in that sort of industry and be married to a woman? It's like, I know what it's like for my husband. What is it like to be, there's my personality with my wife's personality. What is it? What does that have to do with my job to be in my industry? Is it intimidating for her? To- no, I'm married to my wife because she's, she was never intimidated by me. Yeah. I, and I wouldn't want her to. I don't, I don't find myself in, in, intimidating, but there were some people who were like, you know, I Googled you and are, are you doing research? Are you going to write about me? And my wife was just, my wife, you know, you, you met Bridget, just, just really happy, easygoing, comfortable in her own skin, doesn't put on any false airs. So, so no, we're, she's never had a problem with me or what I did. And I think that the, the message I'd want to give to you and your listeners is a strangely powerful one. The reason I married my wife is probably the reason that a lot of men marry their wives, but they don't know it. They can't put their finger on what it is. And it's because she was the first person who fully accepted me for who I was. 100%. Didn't criticize me all the time. Didn't try to change me. Evan, I love you, but. The first 35 years of my life was, Evan, you're great. I love you, but you need to change this and this and this and this. And all the constructive criticisms were valid. Like any criticism you can make, I mean, I know. But this is, this, is, this is who I am. I'm not going to spend my life walking on eggshells because you don't like me. <laughs> so my wife was really the first person who ever fully accepted me. And that is why I'm with her. It's the feeling that I get of being unconditionally loved instead of, I love you with this caveat, make more money, right? Be less neurotic, whatever the hell, you know, your problem with your boyfriend is. Right. So you're not wrong for having issues with your boyfriend. It's that he's not hiring you as a consultant to tell him what's wrong with him. No more than he's coming to you to say, hey, you could drop 25 pounds because you don't want to hear it, nor should you have to hear it from the person who professes to love you. So there's really something beautiful and graceful about accepting someone in full despite their flaws. Right. And a lot of guys don't even know that that's the thing that they're looking for. They go out there looking for young and hot and you go out there looking for tall and rich. And around and around we go, we're chasing a checklist and we're not really chasing. What's the feeling of unconditional love? How do I get that and keep that? Yeah. In a previous episode, I talked about the different words of love that Greeks use and everything described is agape. That's why I named my company that. It's just that ultimate love. It's where intimacy lives. And it's exactly what you said. It's being able to love someone without the butt. Yeah. And I think that is very difficult for a lot of people. I would, I would guess just based on listening to people that most people are not in those kinds of relationships. That's where people set the bar. The things we compromise on are generally the wrong things. We won't compromise on a guy who makes less money, but we will compromise on whether he's a good communicator. We won't compromise on, on religion, but we will compromise on whether he ever wants to get married. 
the wrong compromises all the time and then surprised that we're so bereft in our relationships. And what I try to do with my clients and love you is just raise the bar for how you're treated, right? It's really trusting a feeling, right? right. Women are the most feeling intuitive creatures and they don't listen to their own feelings and they stay in relationships where they are, feel small, unheard, unsafe, not understood, insecure, anxious, and that's the normal. As long as I can hold on to have the illusion of having a boyfriend, oh, we're happy. He's, you know, he's cute and he's smart and he's busy. And so, but if you're not happy, what's the point? So I, I'm more than anybody in this industry. I know I'm really big on breaking up. Just next, next, I next. Love not my husband, not my husband, not my husband. Right. Cause as long as you're with the wrong guy, you're not right. meeting your husband. I feel like every Wednesday when I do ask a matchmaker Q&A on my Instagram stories, more often than not, I'm just, I mean, I would say 20% of my posts are just break up with them. People get on the phone with me when there's a big intractable problem and they just don't have the guts to look at that in the, in the mirror and say, you know what? This is like putting my foot in a shoe that doesn't fit. I got to try on a different guts? shoe. You don't think it's uh, you think it's guts? I mean, I feel like it's sometimes just, you know, it's either fear or ego. Maybe is that um, part of guts? I don't know. I, I can't. I can't speak to the ego piece, but I, I did a, a video once upon a time called "The Six Reasons You Stay with the Wrong Man for Too Long," and it was something to the effect, like off the top of my head, of you stay with the wrong man um, for, due to chemistry, sunk costs, fear that you can't do better, the relationship being good but not great, treating him like he's the last man on earth. Again, mm-hmm. these are the kind of ideas that I teach and, and love you but it's usually operating from a place of fear and scarcity, right? right? So you hold, it's like standing in line and the line's not moving, but you don't get off the line. You just right. stay at the end of the line. That's what happens when you're in a relationship. I put two years into this guy. I'm not, I'm not quitting now, but you're 39. You want to have kids. And he hasn't even talked about moving in with you or proposing to you because he doesn't want to. So right. you double down on that mistake and then you become 43 and single. When you said sunk costs as one of the reasons, what do you mean by that? Sunk costs, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a behavioral economist, but sunk costs is when you've, when you've put time and energy, like uh, as a business person, uh, let's say you were building a, a website mm-hmm. and the website just became like some sort of boondoggle and it became a mess and the contractors failed and they subcontracted to another country and the whole thing had spaghetti code. It was just a big waste of time. And you put 20 grand into the venture. You could say, let's plow through and pour 20 grand more into it because you've already sunk 20 grand into it. <laughs> right. Or you could say, let's just wipe my hands clean of this whole thing and move on to a new project. The sunk cost is what keeps you putting more energy into something that's dead. Right. I feel like as you were speaking, I started visualizing some of my former clients. I mean, I think we all naturally do in the dating industry. And I kept envisioning some women who you know, they're in their late thirties. They are finally dating someone who shares either this, usually the same religion with them. And even though this person's probably trash, (laughs) like they're clearly having issues. And like you said, he is not even talking about their future. You've been dating for a year and a half. The clock is ticking. There's no way around it. You know, you want children, you're 38. There is a clock. And then you ask them, you know, why are you still with him? Well, he's Jewish. Yeah. He's Greek Orthodox. And I'm like, so that's not, that's not a reason. Yeah. And, and what is that for? It, it takes a lot of deprogramming, but essentially I work with a lot of, and you probably do too. I work with a lot of women who are Asian. I work with a lot of women who are Indian, ethnic cultures that might be uh, family oriented, patriarchal, mm-hmm. or, or achievement oriented, discouraged from dating. And now you t- suddenly find that you're 35 and you focused on your career and your achievements and you look up, your parents are giving you a hard time. How come you haven't found someone? And if you find someone, you better find someone who's going to fit into our family, right? From mm-hmm. the same from the same province in China. I mean, I get that all the time. It's, it's very, very specific. I mean, my mother-in-law was so upset when my husband brought me to his his parents' home. And I'm Greek. And I try to explain this to people. I go, just be- oh, because I'm not from the same island as him. Yeah. I mean, and this that's, was her issue. It's still is, her issue, by the way. <laughs> and, and really that that is is toxic. It's hard to deprogram people from stuff that they believed in. So if you're taught that this is the most important thing in the world. Right. Finding a guy who's Jewish is far more important than finding a guy who's nice. Right. <laughs> and you could, you could have a hellish marriage with a Jewish guy, but you know, people don't seem to calculate that. So that's why I said, uh, this is in, in the work I did with Lori Gottlieb too. People make 
the wrong compromises. Oh, I right. love the work you did with Lori. I, I loved it. I loved it all. And, wasn't, and I, wasn't her new book wonderful? Did you read the new book? Yes, I did. Her new book is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Oh, what an amazing book. She's so talented. You're both yeah. very talented. I think the work you did with Lori was really good. So should we take some questions? Oh, you are our first male guest. So I think saying that, I started getting really different questions than I normally do every other week. I think the reason why women love a male perspective is that, you know what? Let me, let me take a step back. I have learned that the people that tend to disagree with my advice are the people who are just looking for a dating coach that's going to give them what they want to hear. Yes, validation. Right. But I feel like that is targeted towards gender. Like I'm a woman and, oh, this woman is not saying what I want to hear, so I'm going to find another woman. But I think from a guy, it's like, well, no, this is it. This is the one guy. He's going to give you the advice. I feel like it's different. I don't, I've only lived in this skin and, you know, I've, I've had my blog since 2007. I've written over a thousand, I answered like over a thousand reader questions on my blog. And so. Your blog mo- is my favorite dating blog. <laughs> most, most people look for validation uh, of what they already believe, confirmation of what they already believe. It's like news, right? You're going to yeah. go to the news organization that, that validates your, your perspective. And I don't post a question if I'm going to validate someone's perspective because it's not interesting. What do I write back to someone in an advice column? You're right. What a, what a boring column. So I only choose questions where I could challenge their original assertion. And if a man asks me, women, uh, and I shoot the guy down, women applaud. And if a woman asks me a question, I shoot down her original premise. I'm a misogynist asshole pig. So mm-hmm. it's like, you can't really win. But I try to give as unbiased advice as I can. I joke about being a reality-based dating coach. It's taking into account other people's perspectives. And I think men are very bad at understanding women's needs. I think women are bad at understanding men's needs. And the more we can see the life through that, that Venn diagram, where's the overlap? The overlap is the relationship. If it's just about, as you said at the top of the call, it's just about what you want and it doesn't count the other person's needs. You may be right, but you'll be alone. And that yeah. is, that's not gender-based. That's, that's all relationships. So we have a text question. Uh, what do you think about the idea of when you know, you know, regarding knowing it's the right person for you? You think we're going to disagree already? I think, we are, I, think, I think we are. And that's what makes it exciting, right? When you said you knew your, uh, husband, you you know, knew your okay. husband was right in two weeks, my answer does not involve anything like that. When I say two weeks, I felt like, okay, this person is different. And then every date after that, I had to keep reaffirming it. That was my goal until I hit the six month mark. And then I think at six months, if you've just kept reaffirming every single date, every single you know time spent together, communication, alignment, all that stuff, then it's like, yeah, okay, I do know now. But in terms of like, when you know, you know, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have been up that roller coaster and it's like, oh, he's so different. He's amazing. Da, 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 da. And, then it, and then it falls. Are we in disagreement? I would build on what you said. Let me use a, a, a metaphor. There's a, a lot of ways of getting rich. You can get rich by saving uh, $5 a week from when you're a kid. Save that money over eight years. You're, you're going to accumulate some wealth. You can get rich by um, working your way up at a company through the mailroom. You can get rich working at your father's company. You can get rich by um, starting a 401k in your early 20s. You can get rich by putting out your own shingle, starting your own company. There's lots of ways of building wealth. There's also one other way, which is quicker than all of those things, and that's to play the lottery. So when you play the lottery, you buy a ticket, might have a billion to one chance, but boom, when that thing comes in, you are set. You don't have to save five bucks a week. You don't have to work your way up the ladder. You don't have to start hanging out in your own shingle and take the risk and buy a lottery ticket. So someone gets married thanks to the, someone gets rich thanks to the lottery. But if you were a money manager, wealth consultant, advising someone on how to build wealth guaranteed by the time you're 80, you wouldn't sell, tell someone to buy a lottery ticket. So the problem is you just know is the lottery ticket. When you just know the second you meet him and you have that chemistry and you think all critical thinking ceases. So the three women that I just knew were the one all dumped me within six months. That's how accurate you just know is. The people who just know and got it right they're, they tell that story and you're like, oh, see, you should just know. That's why I hate your story, <laughs> right? Because it lets, it, it, which it doesn't mean it's wrong, but it makes people think they should have that you just know feeling. I oh, never, I've never said that. Okay. Okay. So I don't mean to misrepresent it, but like oh. that, the, the you just know question is a big thing for me. Right. I never, I never just knew. 
I never just knew. I made a choice. I remember when I met my husband, I remember within two weeks thinking, and it wasn't, I just knew at the time. I just, I felt like this was different because all of the criteria I used prior to meeting him that were, I felt important they were no longer important. I was judging him on a whole different set of criteria. And that criteria was um, twofold. It was how emotionally compatible are we and how intellectually compatible are we? Because those were the two most important things to me, for, for me personally. And within two weeks, I realized, okay, this is a golden ticket. Let's keep reaffirming its shine. That, that's great. I don't um, think that happens to everyone. I, I do believe that for a man... If it's one of those, you know, you know, situations, like if it's someone that he feels like he's going to pursue a long-term relationship with, he does not leave you confused the first month. No, not the first month. Um, Six weeks, two months. No, no, I know. Again, I think a guy should be boyfriend material and, and make that decision the first month. And, and I did. I chose my wife as, as a girlfriend within four weeks. But there was no time when I was dating her where I had that utter blind confidence that I knew exactly what I was doing. It was, to me, that's what this question was, was about is right. you just know feeling. I didn't get that feeling until after I was married. How, how long were you dating when you realized, oh, I'm ha- she's having my baby? <laughs> I did not know in finger quotes that I made the right choice until six months after I was married and we suffered our first miscarriage. And that's when, oh, wow. that's when I knew that the thing that we created was much bigger than me. Now, I was pressured, not she didn't pressure me. She was 38 when we met, 39 Mm -hmm. when we were married, immediately started trying to have kids. You know, I was engaged in 16 months. I would never recommend people getting engaged in 16 months. It's way too fast. Scientifically, I would recommend people go two to three years. So we were racing against the clock, and I knew the stakes of my decision, but it was absolutely a decision because I didn't have that blind, you just know feeling. That mm-hmm. comes with meeting someone where, you, you, again, you feel a certain click. I now ascribe the you just know feeling, not to butterflies or rainbows, but the lack of anxiety. Mm. That it was the absence of fear that made me feel, oh, maybe I'm onto something. It was watching my wife with my mom and my sister, my girlfriend at the time, and realizing, oh, my God, she's family. That's what she feels like. She feels like family, right? That's, like that. what makes, that's what makes this different. But because she wasn't what I was looking for, we all look for opposite sex versions of ourselves to some degree, not, right, but like something that seems familiar. My wife, is, as you know, is nothing like me. On paper, in person, we're both you know, gregarious and extroverted and silly and right, body but I'm much more intense. I'm much more academic. She's just, you know, happy go lucky. Everybody loves Bridget. So we're just not the same. And because I didn't have that same intellectual, oh my God, it's like talking to the female version of me thing. It really made me pause and consider why was I thinking I could do better the entire time I was dating my wife, even though I never had done better. Wow. It was because we didn't have the blind chemistry. And I could actually evaluate her objectively through a clear lens. And that's why the, the, the hook in Love You is seven chemistry, 10 compatibility. Instead of 10 chemistry and three compatibility, which describes most relationships. Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that seven? When, when you have a, when you have a 10, 10 chemistry, Alison Armstrong did a bit years ago on this. When you have a 10 chemistry, you act like an idiot. Right? It's when great sex. Blue- yeah, when you're, when you're blinded by lust, attraction, dopamine, mm-hmm. serotonin, norepinephrine, you can't think straight, and your ability to make critical decisions fails, mm-hmm. right? which is why someone will put up with someone um, who doesn't call them or text them or tell them they love them or talk about a future or listen to them. When they have that feeling, they'll put up with anything. It's almost like a cruel science experiment. Now, when you don't have that feeling, you can see someone a lot clearer. They're good and they're bad. You never had that intoxicating feeling. And so I always, my relationship, I always kind of knew what it was, but it was so foreign because I was used to the roller coaster, the ups and downs of chemistry. Right. So generally a good rule of thumb is if you're chasing a 10 chemistry, look at your whole history, right? I have a whole, my why he disappeared book. The first thing I said was think about the man you had the most chemistry with in your entire life. Picture him. You got him in your head. Mm -hmm. Where is he now? 
<laughs> right? So that, that shows me how accurate chemistry is as a predictor of the future. It's not. You know, I, I always say uh, as a matchmaker, my entire job is, long ter- is measuring long-term compatibility and setting those two people up. But the entire product is judged on chemistry, which I have zero control over. Right. And that's why I've never become a matchmaker. So <laughs> chemistry is an essential component of a relationship because I know someone's hearing this now and saying, oh, I've been saying I should settle on someone that I'm not attracted to. No, didn't say that. Never said that. Been writing online forever. Chemistry is a necessary component. Good sex is a necessary component in a relationship. But that doesn't guarantee anything past chemistry and a great, a great sex. Like that's all it is, is. It's just a component that you need to get started. Mm. Right? But that doesn't keep people together. Being Greek doesn't keep people happily together. Liking skiing doesn't keep people happily together. It's how you two function as a couple and get along. You're on a lifetime road trip in a car without music. So how are you going to make this work right. easily? And that's why I like the word easy. My wife and I are easy. We're magical together. It just didn't start with the same kind of fireworks that I used to associate with love. Right. And so I had to redefine what it looked like. And now I redefine it to other people. And guess what? It works. That's great. All right. Let's get some audio questions here. Hey, Maria. My name is Sophie. I'm 32. I've recently started dating a guy who I think is amazing. The one thing I don't like is that he watches porn. I feel very insecure and I'm wondering if it's a deal breaker. What do you think, Evan? I've written about this a lot on my blog. I I, I hesitate to say Google Evan Mark Katz and porn. (laughs) (laughs) But your your question is a common one. And I think that's, that's why there's value to having either close guy friends or brothers or folks like me who try to represent good guys out there. And what does this mean? To me, it doesn't mean anything. And I think it's dangerous to be threatened by porn. Now, if I look at porn like alcohol, right? Being an addict is a problem. Being an alcoholic could render your relationship useless, right? But someone who drinks socially, it's not necessarily a bad thing done in moderation. For most guys, the use of pornography for masturbation is just that. It's not cheating. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with whether he's attracted to you. Presuming he is attracted to you, your sex life is normal. As long as he doesn't have a problem, he's, you know, he's going to strip clubs for, for the lunch buffet and he's spending hundreds of dollars a month talking to webcam girls. If it's just the occasional private wank, I would not spend a half second more thinking about it. That's exactly what I would say. I, it's like when women ask me, you know, oh, he liked an Instagram model's photo. And I'm like, so? I'm sure there's someone that you're following on Instagram that's not real life. That's, you know, movie star, influencer, whatever. And you've liked one of their photos when they're looking cute, holding a puppy. It's not about you. It's just at that moment. There's an old blog post and podcast I did on this subject. And, I, and again, I think it's, it's, it's open for interpretation, but... I think insecurity drives most of this conversation. I don't know anything about our caller. It's certainly not an attack on, on her. But if you're secure, I don't think you worry about any of that. My wife could flirt with a guy for two hours at a party and I wouldn't think twice. She can go to cobble with her girlfriends and dance with some guy. It makes no difference to me. She's still coming home to me. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I don't spend any time worrying about that because I'm secure in our relationship. I think because women have an issue around desirability in a way that I think men don't. They, they, they spend more time thinking about being desirable. Guys are kind of clueless about being desirable. Like I've never mm-hmm. heard a guy say something like that. That women think that they have to be at the top of, the, of every guy's list. But a guy doesn't have that belief that he has to be at the top of every list. And no guy really has the illusion that I'm the cutest guy my, ever, my, my wife has ever been with. The smartest guy, the funniest guy, the richest guy, the most hung guy. It never occurs to me to compete with the women from my, the, the, the guys from my wife's past. But a lot of women think that she should be the most beautiful guy, woman that he's ever seen. And the second they got married, his eyes fell out of his head. And he never bothered to notice all the women that he noticed in the years that he was single. That ceases when you get married. And that's not true. And expecting it to be true puts an undue burden for him to deny what's true or lie. So now the guy feels trapped. My wife, when she sees some picture of a curvy brunette, because that's my type, 
she'll send me the picture. Hey, and Kim Kardashian is doing a book signing at the Calabasas Commons. Do you want to go? <laughs> I'm like, don't stop mocking me. She'll be your future first lady. Right? I'm, just, I'm really looking forward to donating. So, but my <laughs> wife will do that. Like kind of poking me. But by, by teasing me about it, it's so much healthier than giving me shit. Yeah. Look, it's a, I agree with what you said. It's, if it's in moderation, then it's not affecting your relationship, in, your performance in the relationship. Then it, you know, it's, it's what you said. It's like it's a harmless, I hate to say the word, but wank. <laughs> it's so weird saying that word. But otherwise, I, you know, the question was so much more about like, you know, he watches porn. I don't feel good about it. A lot of men watch porn. I would argue that most men watch porn. It's it's close. I mean, it's not regularly, but it's uh, you know, like 90, 95% or something like that. And it's like 60, 70% of like Christian pastors. Like you can, you can Google this stuff. It's one third of the internet is porn, right? This is not a small thing. The internet was can, invented because of porn. Yeah, like, you cannot what are we compartmentalize this. So I think it, it would be better to to understand it, be, roll with it, not be not take it personally, because it's not. How can you be attracted to a woman who looks, like, who looks like that? I don't look like that. Well, obviously he's attracted to you because he's with you. He's choosing you. Right. That's all the evidence you need. So my wife doesn't have to tell me I'm as hot as Chris Hemsworth or as brilliant as Steve Jobs. I don't need to hear that. She chose me. But I think right. sometimes women feel the need to hear that she's as smoking hot as Angelina Jolie, right? And that becomes hard if, why can't I find you attractive? and Angelina Jolie. Why do I have to do that? I feel for women who feel that insecurity. I just feel like you're putting it onto your guy and essentially asking him to lie. No, I don't watch porn. No, I never look at other women. No, you're, you're the only person. And I just think it's a, a hard lot of it is lying. Thing. Yeah, you're really asking him to lie. Because again, who among us is the most attractive person, even in our friend group? <laughs> right. Let's go to our next question. My name is Maria. I'm 36. I've noticed that my ex has started to watch my stories on Instagram. Does this mean he's thinking of me? Does he want us to get back together? No, he does not want to get back with you. Maybe he wants to have sex with you. Uh. (laughs) I dislike social media related questions, even though they're relevant. You can't put them back in the bottle. I just think this level of social media stalking is just unhealthy. It could drive you crazy and it leads to nowhere. It leads to more I mean, questions. the fact that you even know that he's following your stories, that means that you opened up your story and looked at who followed, then you scroll down, you found his name. And to me, that's like, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. I Do you think, use Instagram, Evan? Do you use it? Like, uh, I have an Instagram account. I don't use it. Um, I just post memes and quotes and. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something about Instagram. Most people watching stories are doing it usually in three places. They're not doing it actively. It's all passive. It's on the toilet, in line at something, maybe at a long Costco line now, and on the couch while they're watching, you know, the 80th time, very, just very free run of friends. or Very, very passive. Yeah, thumbing it off. And I think if a guy that's not following you goes into your stories, if he's thinking about you, he thought about you to find you, but I don't think he's thinking about you in any serious way. I get a lot of, what does it mean? And I like the simple answer. I like the Occam's razor. Men do what they want. If he wants, if he wants to call you, he has your number. If he wants to be your boyfriend, he'll tell you he wants to be your boyfriend. Take down your profile, stop seeing anybody else. Leave his weekends open for you. Call you his girlfriend. Like, you don't have to spend too much time guessing about what men want because it's pretty obvious. And usually what we're doing is, is holding on to these these bread, the, the, the breadcrumbs. We're, we're looking for some, some, some sort of evidence, you know, oh, he drove, he drove past my house. Um, you know, he was, I, I got a GPS echolocation that proved that he was within five miles of my house. Does this mean he wants me back? And it's like, no, it just means he drove past your house. So I feel like we're all looking for these signs. And the only sign that a guy wants to be with you is what are you doing tomorrow night? No, I love that. Okay. I've got a good one here. Hi, my name is Jordan. I'm 30 years old. I went on a date with a guy recently that admitted his marriage ended because he cheated. My question is, how much weight do I give to someone's past? And should I stop seeing him because of his prior actions or do I give him a chance? Um, Really, how true is the saying, once a cheater, always a cheater? Thank you in advance. I love audio questions. I love that my listeners 
like go out of their way to record these questions and send them to us. So do I believe essentially in once a cheater, always a cheater? No, I don't. Full stop. I think people cheat. People can cheat. People have the capability of cheating and they do. And there could be a variety of reasons as to why someone would cheat. I believe people have the capability of hurting someone. I don't believe that they have the capability of hurting every single person that they're with. Probably have to find out more the nature of of the cheating, right? Was it uh, in a marriage for when was he cheating and fall in love with someone for a year and a half? Or did he kiss someone when he was hanging out with his buddies in Vegas and come home and tell you that he regretted he made a drunk mistake? Like there's different forms of it. So how about the fact that he told her, I think that's like really transparent. Yes, but it it could be someone, there's lots of forms of people dumping their shit on you at the beginning to see if you stick around. So it could Mm -hmm. be the defense mechanism. I don't you know, this is a weird time in my life. I don't know what I'm looking for. Right. The guy tells her up front, and she's like, oh, okay. And she sticks around. She falls in love with him a year later. She's like, so, you know, he's like, yeah, I already told you I wasn't looking for anything serious. And she didn't, she didn't pay attention. And he thinks he's a good guy because he gave her the warning up front. I'm a character risk. Just thought you should know. If you stick around, it's on you. I'm very risk averse when it comes to helping women manage their love lives. And I, there's a new podcast I'm doing about this very subject. Basically, the philosophy is believe the negatives, ignore the positives. I don't know what I'm looking for. Next, I'm unemployed right now in a bad place in my life. Next, Mm -hmm. I'm a long distance guy. Next, I'm recently out of a divorce or separated. Next, why take a chance? I'm thinking of moving or going to grad school in a different place. Why take a chance on something where there's a risk that's apparent from the get-go when there's enough people in the universe who haven't cheated that you could start with? Being a cheater doesn't guarantee he'll be a cheater. But it means you're always going to have a little black cloud over your head saying, maybe he'll do it. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, the, that's the problem I have. It's not that he's guaranteed to cheat. But do you want the anxiety of knowing that you're marrying a willful cheater? This is what I say to women who date the married guy. You already know he's a cheater. <laughs> oh, he's going to leave his wife for me. We know one thing about him. He, he will cheat on his wife in the right circumstance. <laughs> so do you really want to take someone else's cheater? I believe in abundance. I believe there's enough people on earth that we do not have to ever indulge the impulse when someone gives you a big red flag up front, but I'm not presuming he's guilty. I just don't like taking the chance. Yeah, I like that. Evan, I'm going to adopt that. I like that. I have one that's completely out of this realm. Hi, I'm Sarah, a 36-year-old female, and dating is a little different for me because I do not have children and I do not want children. Um, and so it's always sort of tricky to find someone who's kind of of like mindedness or doesn't want to try and push me that I should have them, which of course is a absolutely not. Um, so I'm just curious how to navigate this. Um, I don't mind if they have kids, but I guess it has to be that they're older because I'm not trying to be a stepmom. So I really just don't like kids. <laughs> so any um, help would be awesome. Any advice I've ever been given is kind of like just blowing me off and um it's kind of frustrating because we exist and it's okay to not want children thank you evan do how often do you meet in your line of work women who don't want to have children 20 percent. 20 percent. i think mine's around 10 percent. but it's common enough it's not unheard of you know i actually struggle with this question um you know when women say to me i i've chosen not to have children i also don't want to date any man who has children and if he does have children they have to be adults where I struggle with that is when they tell me what age range they want to date as a matchmaker, because, you know, a woman who's saying to me, I don't want to have children. She's probably in childbearing ages, which is why she has to even make that. And so we're talking about women who are between the ages of 28 to 44. And then they say, okay, I only want to date men though under 45. Okay. A lot of great men under 45 might have kids. And if you, and then if you say, okay, he can have kids, but they have to be adults a lot of great men under 45 have young children. <laughs> it's why we've talked about it before, how I don't go to the, the other matchmaker conference is because I talked about how matchmakers have the hardest job in the world, which is to thread these impossible contradictions. I want a guy who is a self-made millionaire, but is a home at five to cook me dinner. I want a guy who's tall, but also short. Like you, you could create these things that I want a guy who's got adult children, but he's less than 40. And you just, made your dating pool essentially zero. To address the the caller's question, 
and it's not to blow it off at all. I think this is exactly like the last question. I'm risk averse on your behalf. If you don't like kids, restrict yourself to dating other people who don't like kids. You'll have a smaller dating pool, but you won't have to deal with these things that you don't want. I mean, you can nibble around on the edges and say, I want a guy who already has adult kids, but you said you're 36. So there are going to be a percentage of, of men your age who don't want kids. Stick with them. You might be surprised. I think her follow-up question to yeah. this is, well, well, where do I meet them? That, but the, the where is always the wrong question. Mm. Most people's dating question is where, right? That's, it's, it's why you got a job. It's partially why I have a job. But I always burst the bubble and say, men are everywhere. Where do I meet them? Here, I'll flip it around. Where do I meet smart, strong, successful, relationship-oriented women who make men feel good about themselves and make feel, men feel accepted, appreciated, and admired? Where do I find those women? Are they at the grocery store? Are they at the law firm? Are they on the golf course? Are they in yoga class? They're everywhere. It's a percentage of people. So anytime someone's looking for the matchmaker or the dating site or the dating app that's going to solve their problems, they're missing the point. Your dating pool is finite. It consists of the people who you're open to dating, who's open to dating you as well. If you're open to dating 10% of the population who doesn't want kids, that's your pool. And they are matchmakers can find them and dating coaches can help you find them and online they're there. They're just mixed in with everybody else. But there's not a, like a, a straight line where we can find just the pool of people that we want. What we want to do is go to a massive pool of people and give ourselves the most options. That's why I put all my clients online. I'm going to show you how to do that in a way that you can become your own dating coach and your own match, matchmaker because that's where the most people are. But you have to do that work. I'm not obviously trying to go against your philosophies as a matchmaker. The search for where is the wrong question. Who am I being that's going to make a guy want to be with me is the right question. Not where is he hiding? Because there's not a good answer. Nobody's got a good answer for it. First of all, Evan, I love online dating. I think it is such a great tool for the day that we, the days that we live in, especially right now during COVID. But I think it's a great tool for a lot of people. Does it work for everyone? No, of course not. Not everything works for everyone. Is it uh, the most ideal form of dating? It depends on who you ask. It depends on when you ask. If you ask someone six months ago, is online dating the most ideal form of dating? They would probably say no. But if you ask someone in April during stay-at-home orders, they'd say, well, this is ideal because it's the only way. So, uh, you know, I'm not one of those matchmakers who hates on online dating. But now that I actually talked about online dating, I want to take this text question that's come in. I am starting to date again online since COVID and I'm nervous to meet men on social distancing dates because I don't know how to handle physical contact, including kissing, especially if you don't know if they, who they've been spending time with, I, I guess, with other women. Yeah, that's a solid fear. I've had several clients start dating physically in the last week. And my advice to them has been, you have to wear a mask, socially distance, like walk outdoors in a park, you know, where we used to always set up dates in restaurants and, and nice cocktail bars. Now it's at Central Park. And I would try not to engage in kissing for a few dates. Talk a little bit more about your quarantine plans and who you've been, like have those conversations because if you have that fear, they have that fear. Although, you know, it's funny, I've had um, two clients actually get COVID wow. and they've requested to be set up with only COVID people now. <laughs> okay. New world we're entering into. And love you coaching. I've got groups of women meet on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights and uh, we've had a lot, a lot of questions on this subject. I'm a big advocate of online dating. And I think this is, obviously there's terrible things that come along with this, but this has kind of put the swipe right text and hookup guys on the sidelines for now. It's forced things to slow to a crawl where maybe it's going too slow, but you can't move too fast. So if my methodology of dating suits you, and I recommend you go on a big mainstream match.com OKCupid site and exchange a few emails back and forth on the site and then move to Gmail and then schedule a phone call and schedule a Zoom call. And now you're talking to someone and it's virtually dating. You're not meeting in person. Your first date in person might not happen for two, three weeks, but now you kind of know each other and you could go on a social distance walk and another social distance walk and really get to know someone platonically before anything, you know, has to happen, builds up a little trust, anticipation, excitement. And by the time it gets to the point where you're ready to kiss, you should have enough trust in that person to get a sense of whether he's following the same kind of protocols that you do and feel relatively safe 
in kissing someone. There's no guarantee of everything. There's a risk involved. If you choose to take no risk, uh, I will not kiss anybody until, you know, coronavirus has a vaccine and everybody's vaccinated. Wow. I mean, that's, that's an extreme philosophy. I mean, one, one could do that and we'll put you on the shelf for a couple of years. So I, I had a client yeah. um, quarantine. I had two clients, a client and their match. They Zoom dated for a couple of weeks and then they both decided to quarantine for two weeks and then they met and they hit it off. I mean, they had hit it off on Zoom, but I guess the sex was good. And uh, now they're quarantining together. They're living it. Yeah, I, I don't recommend any of that, but I know well, that's God, the lottery God, ticket, but, but God bless them. Right. I mean, that's the lottery ticket. I was just like, what, what's happening? I'm desperate times, man. Okay. Let's, let's get one more question and we'll wrap it up. Hi, Maria. My boyfriend and I have been dating for two months and so far things have been going great. He recently told me that an ex of his has been contacting him on social media and it's something she typically does anytime he's in a relationship with someone new. She lives in a different state and is in a relationship of her own. But when he posted about us on social media, she messaged him asking about the status of our relationship and if things were serious. He said he responded and was short with her in an effort to get her to stop. However, she keeps replying to his Insta stories, liking all of his photos, and trying to remain in contact with him. Overall, this bothers me because I would not keep contact with an ex out of respect for my boyfriend and our relationship. How do I calmly bring this up to him and what is the best approach? Just so you know, I have a more anxious attachment style, but my boyfriend is more secure. Thank you. As you were listening to that question, I wish you could see me and Evan just shake our head nonstop for the entire time. For me, I would actually break up with him. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I think you should block your exes. I, don't, I think it's just so grossly inappropriate to be not only friends with an ex online, but for them to even feel comfortable enough to talk to you about who you're dating. I completely disagree with you. This is awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Tell me why you disagree. Um, Are you friends with your exes online? And I don't mean like exes like, oh, we went on like three dates. I'm talking about like exes. And my Facebook friends is everybody I've ever kissed. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a, a rich, a rich history. Think about it this way. Like really, if you have a secure relationship, Nothing's threatening. Remember, there's a reason they're exes. So why be threatened? It's it's the same as the porn question. Why be threatened about something that he voluntarily let go of? To me, the bigger deal you make about this, the more it shows that you're anxious and insecure, and that's not an attractive quality. If I'm you, I'm letting it go and saying, go crazy, have fun. Be the cool person instead of the needy, anxious person who needs to make sure it's the equivalent. He can't look at other women. Who cares? It is, it is so harmless. So I, mean, I don't I know, disagree I know. with you on that. I agree 100% on that. Who gives a shit? What I'm saying is, I just think it's, I just hate it when people are friends with their exes. That's where we disagree. You can hate it, but you don't get to come into someone's life and two months later force them to cut off people. Someone's an ex- my wife was married for, for a few years. She was with her husband for seven years. If she talks to her husband, she doesn't really, but if she did, not my business. It's not It's not my business because we're good. So whatever you're doing when I'm not looking, it's fine. But she's telling us that her, ex, her boyfriend's ex contacts him every so single what? time. It takes two to tango. Thank if you. I did, if I had an ex-girlfriend contacting me and I wasn't interested in her, what's the threat? Like, it, it, he has to do Why something. Why are you holding on to her? Who said he's holding on? Why should he block her? That's your insecurity. He should insecurity. block her. No, that's her insecurity. That's her, her insecurity. Again, I, I, if you're secure, none of this matters. Really. You, I just find to, it so disrespectful to my relationship to I, have. I, and I disagree entirely. Disrespectful right. to my relationship. I'm with my wife. My wife was 39 when we married. She's had a whole lifetime of experience. I haven't gone through her old photo albums to make sure she throws shit out or check her Wait, that's her not Facebook what I'm page. saying. I don't know how it's you are. Same, it's the same thing. Who cares what happened in the past? I don't care about the past. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I talk about the past and affecting your relationship in the present. And I'm talking about from her perspective. I'm talking about his perspective. Every second relationship. relationship, your ex comes around, block that. Get rid of okay. it. Clearly, you're okay. shooing away. It's not working. Okay, fine. Then there's know. your answer. I just, I, I just feel like if the original 
poster, the person who's asking. Oh, yeah, the okay. The here. answer for her is like, look, if it, if you if he's secure, just you got a, a latch on that security, and you know, obviously chose you. He's with you. Ignore her. I'm just going to the root of the problem, which is like, why is he still friends with his ex? there's a million reasons why people could be friends with exes. Again, I'm betting someone listening to this who's annoyed at what I'm saying is friends with an ex. So, Oh, sure. I mean, I get it. This is my point is we're all insecure hypocrites, Mm. right? I'm allowed to be friends with my ex, but that's different. No, either you're, you're secure and everything's good. In which case anything is a threat smiling at someone who's giving, handing you your grocery bag or, 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 or making a, a bartender laugh or an ex on online. Everything's a threat if you're insecure. And if you're secure, none of this matters. And so this has, I mean, look, I has am, more I to am, do with her than it does to do with him. I might be friends with some exes on Facebook, but like only because I forgot. But like, also we've never messaged each other. It's not like, Again, I just don't have that relationship this, where they this, would contact me during a I get that. This is about, the ex-girlfriend is still looming and, and, and no it's only looming if he gives if, if there's a, a flame to to right remember that flame is doused so she can still hover all she wants she's she's not getting oh anywhere. i think okay this is what we're going to disagree i think he likes it that she comes around every time he has a relationship well you're definitely putting yourself in his shoes and on his behalf eh, that's my job too <laughs> okay so okay Let's play that because we don't know the person who asked the question. He has to. He has to do this no matter what the circumstance. Maybe it's an ex-wife. Let's go past this. It's an ex-wife, and she she's always curious about the new person in his life. He's already divorced her. <laughs> he has to cut off his ex-wife. He can never talk to her again because the new girlfriend of two months is insecure. So no, I just feel like this is a slippery that. slope right. of, of yeah, once you let someone control your speech. Yeah, it, okay. it, I don't. I don't. I don't like. I don't know. I, we don't have to agree. Uh, we don't have to agree on everything. I know. I just feel like. Things. I just feel like it's easy to say to control someone else's, but when someone tells you who you're allowed to be friends with, I think you wouldn't take too. I did not say that. I never said who you can be friends with. I just find it weird for someone you dated to come around and comment. I mean, unless you have kids with that person. It's weird on her part. It's nothing to do with him. He's just the recipient of it. I don't know. We'll see. I guess anyway, for anyone listening, uh, if you are in the Facebook group, uh, Agape Matchsticks, uh, definitely give us your opinion on this. Evan, it was amazing having you as our first male guest on Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Where can people find you? Um, my name is Evan Marquette. I'm a dating coach for Smart, Strong, Successful Women with everything but the guy. And uh, you can come to evanmarquette.com. And I have a thousand blog posts, a hundred podcasts, um, and a course that'll help you find your guy. You should absolutely listen to his podcast, Love You. He's also on Instagram, Evan Mark Katz fan. Like you heard, he doesn't really use it so much, but he does actually uh, put up a really cool affirmations and dating tips throughout the week. I'll include links to all of Evan's social media and Love You program and his amazing blog in the episode notes. Goodbye to you. I love you. I love you too. Say hi to Bridget for me, okay? I shall. Take care. Thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have a dating or relationship question or any big ahas you'd like to share, email askamatchmakerpodcast at gmail.com. Want more dating and relationship tips? Check out my Instagram at matchmakermaria. If you're sending me a DM for dating advice, I'm warning you now, I screenshot. Until then, see you next week.